that your phone rings, I'm sure, people who want to get in the business, young brokers who want to get into the business. What do you tell them? I think there's still opportunity. We have a ton of industrial brokers now, quadruple the number we did 30 years ago. There's still uh, opportunity out there in Charlotte. It's growing. All the stuff that used to go into stores is going into warehouses. And Charlotte's growing by 30,000 people a year. The Carolinas are growing by a bunch a year. They need stuff. So there's opportunity. And getting the first job is the deal. Got to get the first job. I love industrial, but I tell people if I was looking for a job today, I think, like Brad said, there's so many industrial brokers. I think I'd need to understand what my priorities are. Like I was when I started, just wanted to make as much money as I possibly could. I might actually look into retail. I think retail offers some unique possibilities to me and our business. Anytime there's significant change, that creates opportunity. And I think the entire retail industry is going to change over the next however many years. And you're going to have to be smarter. You're going to have to get infill locations. And it's so I tell people, don't don't just assume because industrial all of a sudden is the end thing that it's it's the best way to go. I think you've got to decide you know, what you want to do. I do agree with Brad. I think there's some great opportunities. And I think one thing that's unique in Charlotte about the industrial market is the camaraderie amongst industrial brokers. I think, frankly, I think probably are sometimes treat each other better than some of our colleagues do. And, you know, in some other markets, I think, you know, there's just a kind of like pro golfers where we want to beat each other like crazy when we play against each other, but it's, you know, we shake hands and kind of move on and have a mutual respect. So I think that is special, but in terms of the actual industry, you know, I think just there's so much change and there are only so many Amazons that that you can represent. So I don't know. I tell people, think about it. Don't just assume it's the best way to go. And you were pioneering as a female in this industry and what still to this day could be argued as kind of an old boy network. What's the future for professional women in the commercial real estate business? Well, I do think it's amazing how much it has changed in that way in that I think I literally was the only non-secretary in my office for at least 15 years, maybe 20. But I would tell you, I think now there are a lot of opportunities for women. And I think if you start worrying about boys network or this and that, then you're setting yourself up to fail. I think you just got to do the best that you can do and use the best opportunities that you have and just get out there and do it. And I think if you think that other people are not giving you a fair chance or that, you know, then you just have the wrong attitude. I think there are as many or more men who have helped me and who have been mentors, Brad included, I admit it. And I just think, you know, that if you expect people not to do right or think that you're not going to get treated properly, then you're starting out with the wrong attitude. It's what you make of it. And I think there are a lot of companies. I know mine, I think JLL try very hard to promote women, minorities as much as they possibly can, which is fantastic. And I think, you know, in our office now, we probably have 20 or 25 women professionals in my office, but I think ultimately The bottom line is, are you going to do it? Are you going to make it work? Are you going to put the effort in? And are you going to be smarter? And it's you. And it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. 
she lived that. She just did her job, did it great, advised her clients. You'd call and ask her. She gets those calls every day. She's uh, lived it. It's been great to see her. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, there are, there are unique challenges. I mean, you know, I did a tour one time with a a client with a different nationality that's not real favorable on women. And I had to sit in the third seat of the car because I wasn't, you know, really allowed to talk. And I had to get one of my colleagues to drive. And you know what? It made me mad. But you know what? You got to do what you got to do. So it is what it is. And you get away with stuff, too. So, I mean, there are definitely advantages. People are less likely although I'm not finding that as much as I would like lately, but people are less likely to yell, I think, at women as much as they are sometimes at men. I think they underestimate you, which sometimes maybe it's not a bad thing. So, you know, who knows? You just got to take the cards that, that you're given and make it work. That's really it, right? I mean, no matter what you do when you get into this business, you really just have to kind of do a, a self-assessment and say, okay, what is it that I've got going for me? I call them, you know, God's giving gifts. You know, what, what, what are you carrying into this that you can really kind of leverage? And it may be contacts that you have. It may be you have a, a very good brain for quick math. And, and perhaps you're a great analyst. You really enjoy looking at a spreadsheet and just making sure that every number is exactly correct. Maybe you're just a great salesman and really kind of enjoy that process. It, it's knowing those strengths and then really kind of developing a team around you that will help you um, put your best foot forward. I mean, I think that's one of the things about Brad, since he was nice to me. I mean, I think Brad works as hard or harder than anybody. He has tons of energy. I think he's extremely well liked and is a genuinely nice, honest person. And I think he's also very good with numbers. So I think that combination has been extremely helpful in, in his success. And then Ann would write everything because I couldn't, I couldn't spell. I can still, <laughs> I can still forge his signature. Mm-hmm. And I remember his personnel number from when we worked together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, two, five, oh, four. Dash seven. Yeah. Dash seven. That's great. <laughs> all right. So your phone rings from developers coming from all around the world. Investors also. What do you tell them when they call? I tell them it's gotten competitive and to find the land is tough. It's just every, like Ann said earlier, it's uh, the leftover sites that they've got a blue line in them. They've got setbacks. They got to get rezoned. So if they're looking for land, like it ain't easy. There's six other developers out looking for the land. They've all seen the same 40 to 80 acre site. And you got to put on your rose colored glasses and think you're going to build it for two bucks less and lease it for 25 cents more and hope it all goes right. And basically the same to investors, right, Ann? Agreed. And I think they're definitely not going to find one big property that creates this giant opportunity. You're going to probably have to piecemeal and do a few smaller ones. And if you ultimately want to cash out, package them together, which I think a lot of people that have made the most money have done it that way. Yeah. You know, a few years ago, I would get a call and, and then someone would usually be an analyst. You know, someone's kind of evaluating Charlotte a lot of times because we were close to New York or because we were in NFL city or, you know, there was a ULI study that came out and said, this is where they should be. And then the analyst would come in and spend some time and then they would leave not wanting to stick around because they would say, well, the market's just so small. I had no idea, you know, that was so small. And they would also say, 
you have some very talented developers right here in the back market that, that you know have been here for a long time and are very active, and they wouldn't want to compete. And so you know, having that that grit and being willing to open an office, being able to kind of say, "I'm here for the long haul," being part of the business community. You talked about you know the the uh, camaraderie within the the industrial brokers here in town. I mean, that's it's that's a huge commitment for someone. It is. And it's daunting. Yeah. It's daunting. Those developers have gotten more, uh, they can tolerate the risk better. Right. Because they've got this money. There's all these investors, New York cities of the world that want to own industrial real estate. So they know there's a exit, there's an end game and they just got to get in there and do it. So, uh, they've got piles of money. They can take risks now that if you were the local developer back in the day, having to sign the personal guarantee, you just wouldn't take it. Now they're, they can, they've got the kind of capital that can take those risks. And I think the best thing that ever happened to Charlotte from that standpoint is the downturn actually was, was a good thing, although at the time it was very painful, but I think Charlotte held up so well during the downturn, our, you know, our vacancy really not did never got above eight, nine percent. And I think a lot of people who were invested in other markets in the Southeast, particularly Atlanta, some of them got creamed. And I think in their minds, they were like, gosh, you know, Charlotte is really a mini Atlanta, but with a lot less risk. Why are we not looking at Charlotte? And I think Nashville benefited, too. So I think in that way, the folks who used to come to this market, they know about it. And previously they didn't, but now they see all these studies about population growth and just a a lot of what held up our market during the downturn. So I think even though it was painful, it was beneficial coming out of, of the downturn like we did. Yeah. So both of you have great market intel. I read everything that that you send out. I was intrigued by Ann's comment about telling a young prospective broker to consider retail. Industrial is hot right now. It's the first time industrial has been sexy um, in a cool sub-market in Charlotte for over, gosh, I mean, 20 years or so. Where's all this going and, and how much longer is this party going to last? Uh, yeah, <laughs> who knows? Nobody knows. I've been calling for the M for two and a half, three years. So I was, don't listen to me. I don't know. It just, uh, people keep coming. Amazon keeps renting more space. The tenant that's in 40,000 feet needs 80. Uh, yeah. But you know, before the downturn, that tenant that w- that's in 40 and needs 80, they had already leased a hundred. So mm-hmm. That's the good news is people aren't doing crazy things. Things are under control a lot more. So I think that makes me that makes me a little bit more confident about things. But I I do agree with Brad that we are going to have a little bit of a slowdown, I think, here. But instead of a drastic slowdown, I think it will just kind of be a a gradual slowdown. And then I think things will just kind of chug right along, because if we were going to have a real dip, I think we would have had it already. And one of the things I kind of look out at and kind of look closely is how much sublease space there is available in the marketplace. When you walk through your clients' warehouses, what do you see? Do you see a lot of capacity? Are you having people ask you to sublease space? I mean, there's been a little bit of that here in the last, we've had a few bankruptcies. I think you touched on it too, the older space that 
that's probably what's been hurt the worst is the older bulk space that maybe still is in a good location, but a lot of those tenants can go to a brand new building, even though it's farther out. I think those are the ones that have, mm-hmm. and he, he mentioned that before for sure. Who knows? I mean, there's, there's a little bit more sublease space, but not a ton. Okay. But I think in general, there are huge opportunities in Charlotte, just huge in all, all areas, just because again, it, things are changing demographics, people moving in the way that they liked where they want to live, how they like to shop, how close, how fast things need to get to them. Everything's changing. And I think, you know, that definitely creates lots of opportunities. But again, going back to the, if you're looking to get into the industry, you need to remember how we get paid. And uh, that percentage of the commission, if you're an office broker and you're multiplying it by 40, adds up a lot faster than if you're multiplying by five. So, or in retail, you know, who knows, but it's not, it's not an accident that we have to work so hard. I love it, but you know, we're the Walmart of commercial real estate. Yeah. Low margins, high volume, baby. True that. (laughs) (laughs) All three of us are active in all the markets in the Carolinas. I'd be interested in just kind of hearing your perspective on the differences between the different markets, say Raleigh compared to Greensboro, Greensboro compared to Greenville, South Carolina. I'll take a quick shot at that. So I don't think of Raleigh as that much industrial stuff. Agreed. It's, it's, it's smaller. It just more R and D and right. Have your finish. And I think it's susceptible big time to downturns because of the type of space. Yeah. So you get that space back and capital's big to go back. Greenville's on fire. I mean, who'd ever thunk it? I mean, it's just on fire from 30 years ago to to now. It's just, you know, the things they've done there, the, the town, and there's a bunch of space getting built there. So it'll be interesting to see a bunch of Atlanta folks have said, okay, I can basically make the same commute as it is to work, to Greenville, build space there. And uh, there's a bunch coming on. We'll see. Yeah, I really see that whole, I, I see the Carolinas more as a single region. And we talk about, you know, the I-85 corridor, but I I think Greenville and South Carolina in general is more open, more accommodating to manufacturers than North Carolina, particularly in this region. So I think it's, it's been amazing how they've leveraged manufacturing distribution and Charlotte definitely is more the distribution hub, more the financial capital, maybe. Although Greenville, I think, is an extremely cool place to live now. I think Charlotte, definitely for somebody who really wants quality of life. And then I think Greensboro is similar to Charlotte from a distribution standpoint, and they just happen to have a lot more land, and they do have immediate access to to I-40. I think you lose something, though, in terms of just the quality of life. But that whole region probably... In our lifetime, particularly, I think, from Greenville to Charlotte will basically be a market, that 85 corridor for sure. So John used to live two doors down from me. We had had some kind of, it may have been Hugo. I don't know. Anyway, there was, it was some sort of a real bad storm. And I, of course, you know, being the the single female, you know, was out like 
cutting wood or t- doing something, clearing my yard or something. And John comes walking along or whatever. And it was very nice. I think he helped move a tree or something, but then he was like, well, I've got to, I've got to figure something out. Cause I've, I've got to, to feed the family or something. And it was like, he was going to go, he was going to go shoot something and bring it home to his, uh, his family. But he was real nice. He did help me move the tree. I think that was blocking. I think we moved it from blocking the street. So that's not very mean that actually you were being nice, but he did act all macho. Like he was going to go shoot something and take it to his, <laughs> to his family. And, uh, I guess he was feeling kind of full of it. You know, his testosterone after helping me move that tree, he was feeling like, although I noticed most of the time you seem to have a yard man, but I guess that day you were, uh, you're being all, I'm, all manly. I'm the only person in East ever <laughs> does his own lawn. <laughs> That's All right. Great. Well, yes. Thank you very much, guys, for being here. It's a whole lot of fun. I truly appreciate it. Glad to do it. Well, it's clear from this conversation that you guys are the best in your business and why. This was just wonderful to listen to. I loved hearing the reflections and the insights and the inspiration. So thank you all. And thank you to our listeners. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Thank you, everyone, for joining us and listening in. You can find archived copies of these podcasts on the Cardinal website at www.cardinal-partners.com. We would love your feedback. And if you have a topic that you would like to learn more about, or if you're interested in being a guest, please reach out at 704-953-5500 or email us at info at cardinal-partners.com. <laughs>